I was a kid, I laid awake at night and heard the sounds of trains. There's a lot of things I didn't understand. A lot of things I'd do different if I could. I don't want to be criticized. Nobody takes me serious here. Like you? Who in the hell says I gotta like let go of this? How can I let go of this? It's who I am. It's all I know. I wish they froze me in a block of ice till it was my time when I was ready to make my move. Before I started doing this acting stuff, I was afraid to get up in front of me. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. Right now, what kind of theater does this country need? How about a theater with black and brown actors who had been convicted of serious crimes and had spent years in prison? Actors who want a chance in a society that has no time for them. Actors who ache for change. You know, that kind of a theater. For the last decade, Richard Holder has taught acting at Otisville State Prison and has formed a company of formerly incarcerated men studying the art of acting at HB Studio. Prison Monologues is a podcast that reveals the actor and his story. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. I'm Alan Winson, and I'm a co-host of Prison Monologues. It's a podcast I'm producing with Richard Holler, whose theater work with incarcerated and paroled men is, to a great extent, the inspiration for this production. Richard, uh, this is our first real conversation with an actor with whom you have worked with, and I'm excited to get this project going. So tell us a little bit about Ron Horton. Well, we couldn't have a, a better lead-off batter here, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Rod and I met at Otisville, uh, at the Otisville Theater Workshop. He showed up one day, and it was very clear to me that this was a man who had serious experience in the theater. Uh, a lot of guys come to me, and they're new, and they want to check it out and just do things. But but Ron knew what he was doing, and uh, immediately, you know, I, I, I also found out that he was also a writer, and um, we had a very short time together at Otisville. However, uh, once he got out, I uh, did not forget him. I was working for a project for Brooklyn Academy of Music. We were doing a reading. I needed some strong actors. So I called up Ron and a couple other guys that I knew. And then um, about two years ago, we did uh, uh, scenes, excerpts from um, plays for uh, HB Studio and trying to get our acting out company started. Ron was a part of that. And he is now a solid member of the acting out company and is performing uh, right now in our online show talk to me and he's uh turning in you know one hell of a performance so uh that is my story with ron horton and i'm sure there will be many stories to come because uh, this yeah. is i want to work with for quite some time and th thank you so much ron for joining us um it's a pleasure meeting you thank you you uh, have something to read for us. So why don't we? Why don't we start with that? Let's... Rich, which which would you like to do? Rich, would you like for us to read the the new piece, or you want me to um, do I, Troy? Yeah, I, I think I think maybe lead off with Troy because that's something that you 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 know you're doing right now. I think it'd be good for them to hear that, and then later on we can do the new piece that we're working on. Oh, all right. So you like Troy? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Like you? Who in the hell says I gotta like you? What law is there that says that I gotta like you? Wanna stand up in my face and ask some damn fool ass question like that? 
talking about somebody liking you. You're the biggest fool I ever saw. It's my job. It's my responsibility. Do you understand that? A man gotta take care of his family. You live in my house. You sleep your behind on my bedclothes. You fill your belly with my food. Cause you're my son. You're my flesh and blood. Not cause I like you. Cause it's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. Let's get something straight right here before I go along any further. I ain't gotta like you. Mr. Rand, don't give me my money come payday cause he likes me. He gives me cause he owes me. I gave you everything I had to give you. I gave you your life. Me and your mother worked that out between us and liking your black ass wasn't part of the bargain. Don't go through life worrying about people liking you or not. You best be making sure they doing right by you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, boy? Then get the hell out of my face and get down to that AMP. <laughs> and there you have it. Wow. How, 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 how are you feeling right now, Ron, having done that, that piece? What does that make you feel right now? Hyped. Hyped. Amy, for the, the release of, of some pressures I had going on today and everything. So sometimes what, what I found with acting Right. And some one of the guys said is I get to express the feelings that if I express them somewhere else, I may get in trouble. I may offend somebody. But on the stage out here, we do get to say it. That's all I can say. Uh, Alan. Yeah. So what I feel right now is a release. Right. Right. What, what about the, the message of the father talking to the son? And what does this piece come from? Well, this comes from Fences, right? Right. This is, this is uh, August, August Wilson. Wilson mm -hmm. right? And is a scene where the character Troy is talking to his son. And uh, his son, Troy already has some animosity towards his son because his son's fulfilling the dream that Troy had. And he never got a chance to do it, you know. So uh, I see the scene is where is a, a father who is bitter. But he's 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 trying to he's trying to teach his son a lesson, but he don't really know how to come across. We're giving him that message without offending him or coming across harsh. Yeah. And so I, where it comes from for me is uh, I don't know maybe past experiences. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't I just I don't know I can't say I don't can't say I learned that this Richie gave it to me he worked with me on it uh, and and the character just and the feeling just came. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to my son. Hmm. My son. That's who I'm talking to. Is the message that the character is giving to his son similar to the message that you're giving to your son or want to? Similar. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it's right out there. It's not about whether the world likes you or not. Uh, if you keep no. worrying about that, then uh, you're not going to get anything done. Right. Right. Yeah, right. it seems very, very clear, very clear. Yeah. yeah. So, so Richard, um, does uh, does Ron? Uh, you were laughing there. Was there some points there that came across that you hadn't heard before? 
Well, no, it's just it's just every time he performs it, every time everybody in the show performs it, there's always something kind of new or there's a little something. And as he just explained, he had a little something happened today or so whatever. So he was I could see some some stuff in there and I'm laughing because it's out of recognition. I mean, his frustration and 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 everything. It's just it's a human thing that I recognize in him. And it just feels good to see somebody else as worked up as I get sometimes. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think I think that's the. That's one of the things that theater is great is it allows the audience to have that kind of release along with the actor. I think Aristotle talks about that, that kind of, oh, yeah. you know, you'll, you can ugh, you get it, get it, get it out so you can get on with your life. Right. Ron, you've joined us here on uh, Prison Monologues. Um, why? Why are you here with us? Why, why, why are you talking to us? I'm talking the underlining fact i'm going to tell you why because richard asked me to okay but the underlining factor is that i want to get and it sounds so cliche it's i want to get the message out i I just want to touch i just want to touch somebody uh you know there and and i said this once we had a rich and i had an interview on, on pix 11 with uh, Dan Manorino and he asked a question similar to something that made me ins- say this. And I read one time and it said, uh, God spoke to a man, he said, make a better world. And the man said, how can I? I am so small and the world is so large. And God said, just make a better you. Hmm. So I made a better me, now I'm trying to make a better world. Yeah. So I think that's why I did this. Maybe this is a vehicle for me to to approach that, I don't know, but I just want to I just want to be and it made the cliche. I just want to make things different, right? Well, what what that better is, and what that difference is, maybe we can get to that as we as we talk today, because right now I I would like a better idea of what you think that better is. That better is, yeah. It's so many it's so many facets of that, but. Just to put it all, just to centralize it, is that um, I would want it to be better communication, right? Mm-hmm. Between, I don't care if you're green, plaid, orange, you know, uh, if your head is on your shoulders or if your head, you carry your head, just have better communication. We don't have to like each other. We don't have to but just have a better communication understanding of each other. I used to watch Star Trek. And we used to, when I was a kid, we used to tease about Mr. Kirk. Mr. Kirk would have Captain Kirk. intimate relationships. Captain, I mean, Captain Kirk would have intimate relationships with any alien he saw. He didn't care what she looked like. Because he understood. He didn't care. That didn't matter to him what she looked like. And I think that's what we should... That's what I want better. That it doesn't matter what we look like, but I, it, what matters how we treat each other. Wow, you all right? So you you come from the same television watching age that I do, uh, mm-hmm. because William Shatner and the uh, actress who played Ohura, who was yeah. a, a, a black actress, that was the first interracial kiss between them on TV, on TV. Yeah. and it was something yeah. that Shatner and Ohura, the actress, I'm sorry, I don't know her name, they worked it out yeah. because it wasn't supposed to happen. From Michelle Nichols. Habits. Michelle Nichols. Okay. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for bringing I, that up, Rod. I'm from that era, too. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. 
I, I mean, if all things that William Shatner did, I think that was probably the, the greatest. He tricked the camera into, into filming that, and then he said, I, I'm not going to do another take. Yeah. Because the producers didn't want to show it. Listen, let's get let's go back to Ron. Early in your life, uh, you grew up in Harlem. Right. Right. When you were a child, when you were very young, did you have uh, certain dreams for yourself of what you wanted to do with your life? Obviously, it didn't quite go in the direction maybe that you wanted to. But what early on, what was your dream? Where did you see your life going? You know, at, it's, it's ironic that you say that it, you know, it didn't go that way because it, it finally, the end results, it, it did. Okay. In, in a sense. Uh, but when I was younger, I, it was two things I really wanted to be. What really fascinated me was firemen. Hmm. You know, I really was fascinated by firemen. All little guys, you know, little boys want to be firemen. And another thing was, I guess it may be, uh, I can't say acting, I'll just say entertaining. Uh, not so much with singing. Uh, when I was young, I used to watch Red Skelton, um, all those, you know, Ed Sullivan, all those shows back there. You know, I, I was a TV guy, sitting in front of the TV all the time. And I, uh, my mother used to have some of her friends come over or just to make her feel better about her day. I would do little, uh, and back then I know it was parodies, but I would do little parodies of whatever I saw on TV or one of the characters. Uh, I mean, one of the hosts, like Ed Sullivan, it's a really big show. We're going to, you know, and uh, the other characters, you know. And so I used to do that. And I was all of about maybe 9, 10, 11, somewhere around there. I wasn't even a teenager because in my teen years, that's another story. Yeah. But, you know, my youngest adolescent. So I guess I wanted to be an entertainer. Right. And ironically, it, it, it's coming to pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you became a, a teenager, that uh, you seem to be going in a different direction. And I, I, I want to ask this respectfully, and only I would like you to share what you would like to share about what led you down maybe an incorrect path. How did that happen? Uh, all right. It's, without, without getting into too much detail or too personal, let's just say peer pressure. Okay. You know, peer pressure. Uh wanting to be uh, somebody that I thought I should be, trying to prove a point, you know. Uh, what really, I guess, I mean, to, you know, get a little disclosed without getting too personal, an event took, uh, occurred when I was young. And uh, when that event occurred, it made me think about a lot of things. And I had to I thought that in order for me to prove that um, I was a man, that I had to be tough, rough, you know, and hurt somebody. So I got off into the street life, got into selling drugs, uh, and uh, the rest is history. I was in the streets, doing whatever it is in the streets that led me to do uh, a long prison stay. Yeah. You 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 um, mentioned that you, and, and I think all little boys want to be a man. Yeah. Um, and we have this image of it. And part of it we get on television. I mean, part of my being a man was like William Shatner and going into space and all that. Where did you build up that image of what it is to be a man? Where did you get those ideas from? Partly from my stepfather and um, my role model in the street, who was an older fellow who was... You know, nobody, 
Nobody gave him no shit, you know? And uh, I guess my perception of a man was nobody gave you no shit. You know, you, you was tough. Uh, you didn't cry, didn't show emotions. But one of the things that really stays in my mind about uh, my stepfather was one day I was outside playing and I had uh, felt cut in my hand and I came in the house and I was looking for my mother and I was crying and he was there and I said, you know, he says, what's wrong with you? Come here. And I says, uh, cut my hand, I cut my hand. Where's mommy? He said, let me see. And to me, it was something, you know, serious. I'm bleeding. You know, uh, I think I see white meat and all that type of stuff, you know. He took my hand and squeezed it, squeezed the wound and says, ain't nothing but a cut. Boy, men don't cry. And I guess that's where, uh, you know, it came from, mainly from him. So, yeah. you know, when I was young, this guy gave me a pistol, gave me a gun at 12 years old. We was in his car driving. And he gave me the gun to hold while he drive around, while he was drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought that's what a man's supposed to be. You know, and that's where I get it from. We we learn from our parents and from our significant others about yeah. who we should be, right? Yeah. Right now, when you look at the definition of what is a man, has it changed? Tremendously. So when you I talk- can't even put it, I can't even give you a definition changed so much there's so many you know aspects uh does a does I mean, a man cry yes yeah, he cry of course <laughs> he's supposed to cry if he doesn't cry there's something seriously wrong you know there's a i don't want to get off into too much of my philosophy but there's a you know a thing about the battle of the sexes and the sexes between the sexes and uh a man has to do this, and a man. See, when and 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 I in, in my years of doing some little studies, I, I learned that we indoctrinated into these roles. You know, uh, it seemed like it was pre-planned, it's ordained that we do this by whoever the higher powers. Uh, well, not so much to get on the, uh, uh, my soapbox. Men can raise children just as well as women can, and women have raised children raise boys just as well as anyone else so there is a separation of things that they can teach them but in terms of giving them a fulfilling life the love nurturing and things that they need it doesn't mean that you have to be a mother or a father all you have to do is be a loving caring parent so you know that's just how i feel about that right I don't know if I answered some of the questions you asked, but that's just no, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I would just me add, ranting. I would, I would add that it's not just the love or the like, but it's the respect. The respect. Um, I so. mean, we all, all human beings, want respect. Yeah. I imagine there's, a, there's there's an interesting thing. I don't know, you know the writer A. S. Neal who wrote Summerhill School, but he said that about children that it's important to be on the child's side. You know, like that, that's one of the most important things for a child to know that you're on their side. You know what I mean? And it's really, I think that that's a great way that you put it there, Ron. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Ron. Um, you were in prison. I'm not going to ask how long or what it was, but I'm just generally, was prison a time of loss? Was it all a loss of your time? Or was there something gained by that experience? Well, let me tell you. Yes, son, I was down. I did a big, you know what I'm saying? I was up north. 
You know, I was with Roscoe. I was with Big Ed. Yeah, we was bidding. You know what I'm saying? No, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the um, next. Show. That's the next show, Ron. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it was. It was a. It was. It was a. Wow. It was a. It was a. It was a loss and a gain at the same time. Um, I lost. I lost. Uh, I lost being a father. I lost uh, the birth of my grandchildren. Uh, I lost a lot of loved ones that passed on that I didn't get a chance to tell them that I loved them. Uh, I lost a whole lot, but um, I gained self-respect. I gained education. Uh, I gained empathy. Uh, um, I gained care for a human being where before I didn't even care about myself. So how could I care about a human being? But you know, those are the things that I gained. How do you get that in being in such a, a terrible situation? I mean, from my perspective, I, I've, I've only been at Otisville as a teacher. I've never been there in a prison as you've been in a prison. How can, how can it be a positive thing? How can you gain this, this sense of connection with the other? when you're in such a terrible situation? It's hard to explain. I'm, I can only tell it to you like this is what I tell uh, some guys that I facilitated the class with is that, and, and I just want you to understand, right? That, and I'm doing this for you, Alan. You gotta want it. You gotta fucking want it you can't just say yeah i'm gonna do that oh i want this because with wanting it comes discipline and determination become wanting it becomes passivity that's how you do it do do you feel that the other men that you knew that made it out as, as you did, do they all feel this way? This, yes, they this do. wanting it? They wanted it. And that's what got them through. That's what got them through. Hmm. Do you feel, and Richard and I have been talking about this, I am most impressed with, I tried to be an actor at one time, um, and uh, I have a sense of what it is to be an actor. And I've been most impressed with, uh, with your performance just now and the performances that I've seen uh, from Richard's class, including your own, as we just said. Um, how much of this experience that you've had and this intensity of the moments when you were in prison, how much does that feed into you when you act? Does it? Does it? Is there a relationship? Is there a conduit there? Uh, I would I would think there there is um, a conduit in that um, if I can how I can explain it that I bring those experiences to to the acting or to what I am or or what I perform as. Uh, I don't know, as a reminder. 
Yeah. I don't know, as a reminder. Okay, okay. Uh, because certainly there's an intensity that I've seen in, in your performance and others in Richard's class that um, you, you don't come across all the time in, in, uh, mm. in other actors. So you performed quite a bit while you were incarcerated. Um, yes. And um, you did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which seemed, seems almost quite appropriate to do in a prison yeah. situation. Um, yeah. But you also played Oscar in The Odd Couple. Right. Yes. Now that seems that was, totally out of context. <laughs> that was very challenging. Yeah. <laughs> it was very challenging, but it it was it was it was well received. Um I did it while I was in Arthur Kill. We first we did it too for the the uh staff and uh the staff loved it and they some of the teachers brought they, they their students back to see it. And then uh we did it for the whole entire population. And then we did it for the, the uh, performer's family. And then the superintendent wanted us to do it for the population again because they wanted to see it again. So it was, it was well-received and it was challenging, though. Why was, it, it, why was it challenging? Is, comedy, is it true what they say? Comedy is harder than drama? I don't know. I think I can mix a little bit. You know, <laughs> uh, what was challenging for me, uh, Rich, was uh, memorizing the lines. Oh, okay. You know, I said, "Damn, this is this is a lot of line. What did I do? I really want to do this stuff." <laughs> you know, so uh, that was the challenge, but it was it was good. I felt great doing it. Uh, there, there, there's one line. Maybe you'll remember it from um, the Odd Couple, in which uh, Felix makes some spaghetti, and he and he says, overcooks it. And then, what this, does Oscar and he, say and don't do? Oscar says. Something that I forget the lines. He said, "We want something," and then he tosses it out. He throws it. He throws the plate. I think he throws it in the kitchen or something. He throws it. Yeah. And in, in the uh, in the uh, performance we did, he he says something about. It. He said the spaghetti, and he says something about it. You know, sarcastic about it. And he took it and he threw the threw the plate of spaghetti. Yeah. If I'm correct. <laughs> I think he says, and now it's garbage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You want spaghetti? Yeah, he said. If you want spaghetti, you want spaghetti. Now it's garbage, and he threw it. Yeah. yeah, very, very funny. How long have you been out? How long have you been where you are now? I came. I came right on the heels of Sandy. Ah, October thirty first, two thousand and twelve. Okay, all right. Was it difficult? coming out I, I i'm i'm in touch with uh someone that i had taught from otisville and he's saying he's he's saying right now he's in albany and he he says he's like in a um a george jetson world yeah Remember right george, yeah. george jetson from the jetsons right what was it difficult at first when you came out the only things that i really found difficult was uh crossing the street hmm. um navigating uh, a metro car and you know just the simple daily activities but in terms of emotional and mental i was ready you know i i'm a strong believer in a man that stays ready don't have to get ready so during the entire time that it was time for me to go for parole even though i was denied uh i stayed ready so when i came i was ready you know, of course, technology gave me a loop, you know, trying to uh, navigate through that. But no, I don't I don't think I had too much problems with so much adjusting. 
you know, other than just a daily, you know, trying to do the daily activities that, you know, people normally do. Right. But mentally and emotionally, you know, I was I was fine. Did you get this? I was I was like a, a kid, you know, in the in the toy factory, you know. I was like that. But I was fine. Right. Uh did did you get the support that you needed? Oh, of course. Of course. Yes. I had uh support prior to coming out. Uh uh and I still get the support from a um it's my fiance, you know. Uh, her family, they embrace me. You know, she has uh two sons and a daughter, you know, adult children. And uh, they look at me not so much like father because, we, you know, that ain't, we ain't even going to, but they give me that like, yo, they know, you know, he's part of this family. And the grandkids, oh, my God, uh-huh. they crawl all over me. So, yeah, I get, I got the support. You know, I got support from my side, my son, you know. Uh, he was coming to see me uh, regularly. Uh, his grandkids, I mean, his kids, my grandkids, uh, you know, they, they love me, but they don't really know me. Some of them, particularly the oldest one, because I wasn't there, you know, when she was born. But I got a, a tremendous support, and then I got support from um, from Rich. I got support from Rich, just for the mere fact that Rich kept in touch, and you know, and kept me in everything that he wanted to do, kept me a part of that. That was, you know, that that was my support. Prior to me even meeting Rich, I had experience in Arthur Kill, as I told you. And I met this woman named Pearl Minsky. And she was the one who I first was introduced to, you know, an acting group or whatever. So she was like found a diamond in the rough. And then when I got to Otisville, I met Rich. And he just took the diamond and took all the dust off it and the degree <laughs> and polished it. And now it's a shiny you know, new penny. It's blinding now. It's blinding. Blinding now. It's so blinding that you know it, it, the diamond. The diamond is is headed in this direction, Rich. It, you right. See my new cap. See, see my oh. new cap, Rich. See oh yeah. Saying? Okay. Oh yeah. Future celebrity. It. Right. it says on it. Future celebrity. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So tell us what you're doing now. I, we know you're doing the acting, but uh, yeah, what what are you doing? Yeah, I'm working. I'm working for a great organization. I work for um, uh, uh, Project Renewal. A great organization. They support us during this pandemic as as workers. I work as a case manager at a Women's Shelter, New Providence. I work with a good team of people. Uh, so job is good. Job is good. It's it's a lot of paperwork. You know, sometimes it can be overwhelming. But like I told you, um, I was prepared. You know, I, I didn't come out. I came and and. and uh, came out running. I put my boots on the ground, you know, as you know, to use a, a military phrase, boots on the ground. So uh, it, it was ready, but the job was great. great. Other than that, I'm, I just enjoy, just enjoy being home. <laughs> tell it, tell us what, uh, how it is being uh, a student of Richard Holler. What is, is he a taskmaster? How does he, uh, how does he treat you all? And what is have you learned from taskmaster? him? Is he a do you want to see the whip marks? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I appreciate Rich exactly the way he is. If Rich would have been any other way, I don't know if I would have stuck around. When I walked into that room, you know, because someone had told me about the acting group class, excuse me, at Otisville, and I, you know, I always said I'm gonna pursue it wherever I go. Not so much for a career, but just 
to pursue a dream, you know, fulfill a dream. If I get a some career out of it, great, gravy. I would not turn it down. I'd be a millionaire, I'd get an Oscar or Tony or whatever, Emmy. But I do it just to fulfill that dream of a little boy, you know. And um, if Rich would have been anything other than what he is, uh, I don't think we would have been doing these productions. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. And I forgot to mention that last year, Ron was also in the cast of I Never Sang for My Father. They played uh, off-Broadway. It was a really lovely little production. And uh, he made his off-off-Broadway debut, which was really mm-hmm. wonderful. He did a fantastic job. So he is he's on his way. I guess that hat, you're wearing yeah, that hat in good stead, it, yes. And don't forget to mention I played three roles, three characters. <laughs> yeah, you played more than, I think even more than three. Yeah, about four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Ron, yeah. could you do another piece for us? Maybe something that you're working on? I think I'm going to set it up for him because we talked about this. Um, okay. but this, next, this next show that we're doing is called Inside Out. And it's this, all this material was written by men while they were incarcerated. And this is a piece that I'm not sure where we're trying to find, you know, who wrote this. But this is a piece that uh, was written. Ron is going to be playing Timothy in the piece. And, and what it is, it's a man who's having a conversation with his bunkmate, uh, his cellmate. And um, he receives a letter that he's sort of hesitant to read. It's from his daughter, who he's estranged from. And, um, and so, the, but then the, his bunkmate keeps saying, please read it, read it. I need to hear, he never gets any mail. So he wants him to read it. So finally, Timothy agrees to read this letter, which just has information in it that uh, gives him a little pause. So, so this is uh, Ron reading Timothy from uh, a piece called His Story. My daughter. A long time. It's personal. All right, here it goes. Dear Walter, I was nine when I last wrote you. This pain and inability to comprehend your absence prevented any further correspondence. Now that I'm 18, the images haven't become any clearer. You've been gone my entire life. Meanwhile, I've gone through five daddies. Can you picture how confusing that is? Anyway, I just wanted to tell you, I'm seven months pregnant. It's a girl. I guess you miss out on her life also. I plan to marry her father soon. He's a good man, James, that's his name. Always tells me how much he truly loves me. He's the only man who's ever told me that to my face. Can you believe it? James has a good job, even though I'm not sure what it is. I think he's a salesman of sorts because he's always talking figures with his friend. He works weird hours and is always traveling out of town. The best part is when he returns with new clothes and jewelry for me. Sometimes he even trusts me with lots of money to hold. I know James will be a good provider. People say nasty things about him, but they're just haters. There are times when the police come looking for him. 
that racial profiling is getting out of control. I'm not going to let anything destroy what we have. One day I might send you a picture of your granddaughter, Denise. So what do you think? You want the truth? Of course. From everything you told me about yourself since we've been bunkies, your boyfriend sounds a lot like you. Yeah. He does, doesn't he? Okay. Mm. So, so we just throw in those last lines. So you no, no, no. That. Those last lines were needed. You, you, you really should yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what I got, I mean, from the last lines there especially, was an actor who knows how to listen and respond to what what's going on in the moment. Um, it was a true moment. Um, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. What, you're going to be performing that for uh, what's coming up this Sunday, right? Uh, for the HB, or is it for something else? Um, no, this is our next show, which is Inside Out. It's going to be opening. It's going to be playing the first two uh, weekends in December. December, okay. And, we're we're closing uh talk to me this sunday and then we're in rehearsal for a couple months and then we're going to open right. uh inside out and talk to me is an online zoom many theater groups are doing at this point and um inside out will be in december also probably on zoom yes it'll yeah we're planning for it to be on zoom i don't believe that hp studios is, has any plans to open earlier than the spring of 2021 right i know so. you do monologues but i i'm i'm intrigued by your your give and take there in that last part of the well yeah well this is a scene this is a scene and that monologue is in the middle of it and we didn't do the beginning of it you know which was just the setup that i i gave up but yeah but then it seemed like natural just to do the end but yeah and what's nice is when you do it on zoom both of them are in these little boxes you know talking and it really sort of works you know well, it, it, wor it worked it, it worked just now for me <laughs> ron what do you need to work on with this piece what what is your what is your job now as an actor they get in touch with the feelings of uh, a father who, who has a daughter that he doesn't know. And um, she's getting ready to get into a situation where uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a, she's getting into a, she's, she's getting in a relationship with her father. So he has to try to, you know, I got to try to get that, you know, character because he has a daughter and she's getting ready to get into somebody, you know, she's having a baby by somebody who is exactly like her father. Mm. So getting to that, I have to draw from um, when I had got a letter from someone that I know uh, in a situation that's not like this, but I had to uh, look at the situation as damn uh, I need to uh, do intervention uh, it's just some little life experience I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to draw on as an actor to try to see you know, how to come across how to get this guy's feelings particularly his feelings near the end has to be what has to really uh, say what the whole thing is about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know his reaction and how he comes uh, those lines how I deliver those lines so I got to get a feeling I got to draw a 
feeling and put it into just maybe two, three lines. We've been speaking with Ron Horton, an actor who most recently has been working with Richard Holder, but has been working, working with Richard for quite a while, but now is working in his HB studio acting class. And this is our first prison monologue. I think, Richard, we got a good start here. Oh, yeah. I, I knew we, I knew we yeah. had a, a good guy to start with. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ron, for helping us out. You're welcome, man. Thank you for having me, man. All right. Appreciate it. I, I hope at some point. Are you, are you still in New York City? Yes. Okay. I am. When the bar's open, I want to buy you a drink if that's possible. Uh, uh, no, it has to be non alcoholic. Well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> if you have any questions or comments about our program, Prison Monologues, you can contact Richard Holler or myself, Alan Winston, at prisonmonologues at gmail.com. And that's one word. And monologues is spelled M O N O L O G S. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.